So I like to say I, I spend a lot of effort in building the button. So that way um, I, can, I can just push it and it runs. And then after that, once that button is pushed, I don't have to do anything. For me, the goal as a business owner is to create a business that then works for me that I don't have to work for. Welcome to Getting Money Right, a show dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom through education and inspiration so you can be free to pursue your true life's purpose. We're your hosts, David Thompson and Leo Sabo. And in this episode of Getting Money Right, we are going to be interviewing Josh Moore, a business owner here in Dallas, Fort Worth. And let me say this about Josh. Josh uh, is my best friend from growing up. So Josh and I grew up together. We went to the same high school together. Uh, we played basketball in mid-cities level, um, you know, junior high, middle school, just from grade school. We've been really, really close friends. And Josh and I uh, have had similar and different routes in our careers. And so um, we've both worked in business. We've both been employees in different places. And one of the things that I've seen Josh do over the past probably decade uh, is transition from being an employee, uh, and not just an employee, but really uh, an incredible high-level go-getter employee who's managing others, raising up others, to then becoming a consultant in his space, to then becoming a business owner. And we're in this series about moving from being an employee to being self-employed, to building a business where you manage operations, to then one day potentially becoming an investor where the money that you've made then makes money for you. And so I thought this was a really great opportunity to interview and check in with Josh. Uh, he created a coffee shop from scratch right before COVID happened. And so we're also probably going to ask a little bit about what it's been like as a business owner during COVID. Uh, so that's a quick framework of what's coming up. I want to introduce Josh Moore. Josh, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. It's good to be here. Thanks for having me over. Absolutely. So I did. I wanted to just start by asking, Josh, will you share a little bit of your story. Um, what was it like? I know that you and I both we went to high school together, and then we both went off to college, and then we both have had unique journeys from there. So what's your journey been in this overall arc of going from being an employee to being a leader to then becoming a business owner? Right. Yeah. Well, the first thing I had to do was realize I was never going to be a professional basketball player. <laughs> so uh, I learned that back in my mid-cities basketball days with you, David. Um, yeah, I, uh, I remember I was in college. I think we were both in college at that time. And I was going to school uh, pursuing a business degree. And um, that's a great route for some. But um, at least to our uh, Christian audience out there, sometimes God calls you away from something that seems in the natural like it's a good thing. And I remember God uh, leading me to drop out, and I was actually pretty mad at God at the time because I was on a full-ride scholarship and loving it, And uh, but I knew that I needed to leave. When I left, I there's a lot I'm skipping, but to, to pertain to what we're talking about today, I started pursuing getting a job at a, a business where I wasn't going to be working for a big corporate environment, but I wanted to work directly with the owner of that business. And so I applied, I started applying at coffee shops, um, at independently owned coffee shops where I knew I would be working with the owner day in, day out. And I ended up getting a job at a, a local coffee shop here. You might recognize it. It's called Bongiorno Coffee for uh, a man named David Clark. Uh, 
And one, I, I, I started to observe the things that David would do. And I would try to emulate that and anticipate what he would want, even whenever he wasn't there, because you never knew when uh, you never know when the owner's going to show up. And uh, I remember one day he said to me, "Josh, you're the only one who I don't worry about the shop when I'm not there, mm. because every time I come, things are as I would want them to be." And uh, so eventually, little opportunities, you know, being the person to go buy the milk. It did not pay. I think I think at that time it paid eight bucks. You got eight dollars to go do a milk run, and uh, we all sorts of little things that weren't really worth the money, but they were worth the experience and getting responsibility. And we know a kingdom principle is you uh, you get trusted with a little bit and do well with that, and then you'll get more. And so eventually, um, I was honestly I was managing the whole company. My goal was to make it to where David never had to show up. And sometimes he wouldn't. Sometimes he would even go out of the country for months at a time. So I, I tried my best to manage the company the way that he w- would want it to be managed, to, to act like an owner, but not as if it was my business, fully aware that it's his business, but putting into it what I would want to put into my business, that time and energy and effort and focus. Because there's definitely things I would have done differently. And that was kind of the big advantage for me is I, I got to learn not only the things that worked really well, but the things that I would like to do differently. And even now I'm learning in my own business things that I would like to do differently <laughs> from my own mistakes. And uh, it's, uh, it's what I like to call the stupid tax. It's a great way to learn as long as you have enough humility to not let it blind you, your pride blind you into making those mistakes cost uh, more than you can afford. So Josh, just, just a quick question on your mindset as you were getting into this. Of course, you went through business school. You had, obviously, had some thoughts about why you were going through that and what your end Mm -hmm. goal was. So can you share a little bit about where where your mind was as far as, okay, you're going to school to become a business-minded and and Mm -hmm. understand how business works and all of that. What was your end goal? And and as you're going through serving in this shop, uh, working for David, learning so much, what was your ultimate goal? Right. So I like to say... I, I spend a lot of effort in building the button, so that way um, I can I can just push it and it runs. And then after that, once that button is pushed, I don't have to do anything. For me, the goal as a business owner is to create a business that then works for me that I don't have to work for. Mm. Once you do that, then you're having that passive income. Now, having a business, it's not quite as passive as some kinds of income, but I'm definitely getting a lot more reward out of it than effort I'm putting into it. But just like uh, Dave Ramsey says, I think I hear him, you got to live like no one else so you can live like no one else. Well, that's an example of one way you have to do it. When you start a business, it's hard. It's it's more than a full-time job. You're, you're doing a couple years worth of extra time um, to get to that place. But, uh, well, we'll see. I'm, I'm still at the beginning of my business, but um, I think it's going to be worth it. Yeah, that's good. So you had kind of an entrepreneurial desire from the yeah, beginning. Yeah, in my you blood. You knew that eventually yeah. it wasn't going to be, hey, I'm going to work for somebody, make a lot of money by serving in a company. Right. Your desire was to really learn the ropes, understand the business, understand business, not just the business, but business, mm-hmm. and then eventually move on and right. step out on your own. And I encourage people to be upfront about that too when they're owning a business because that's for most, that's an ideal employee is somebody who wants to learn how to emulate the people that they work for. And that's actually something I tell to people. I, I got to teach a little mentoring class about interviewing and how to get jobs. One of the things I tell them is there's a way to set yourself up for a promotion while you're in the interview itself. 
my favorite way to do that is you ask the person interviewing you a question. You say, hey, how did you get where you are? Obviously, you're, if it's an owner or a manager, obviously you did something to get that position. What did you do and what advice can you give me? And that does two things. One, they're literally telling you their path to success. But two, you've asked for their advice. So in a way, in that interview, they get a chance to mentor you. And anytime someone mentors someone, they're putting a little bit of themselves into that other person. Now they feel personally invested in seeing you succeed. And so you're, you're kind of setting yourself up to, one, have favor, but two, learning exactly how to not only get that favor, but to maintain it and advance. And so oftentimes that person in the back of their mind is, this is a great candidate for, for promotion before they even hired you. Uh, I love this because... So many of our listeners are employees today, and that's that's great. I'm an employee, and and I also have something on the side that we're doing here. But but as an employee, it's so important to be thinking through the lens of how do I serve my current employer so well that I'm worthy of promotion, yeah. and that the the good service. What you said earlier, Josh, about you know it, it basically it's a biblical principle. If you've the, the Bible would say, if you've not been faithful with what belongs to somebody else, then who'd entrust to you what is your own? Well, you just said, I was super faithful with what belonged to David Clark. That was the heart, was to honor him. And every business owner wants employees like that, people that will honor the vision of the business owner and then treat the business like their own and take care of it. So that faithfulness, that heart as an employee turned around and opened the door. And I think the next step, and you can share a little more of the journey, but the next step was, well, hey, I love that you started sharing with people how to interview. You started helping <laughs> employees get better. But then beyond that, you started to consult other businesses because you were still an employee, but you were in the middle of it. You were basically the general manager managing a coffee shop, first one location, then two locations, it begins to add locations. Now you've started to gain some clout in the industry just because you've been working hard and the owner can trust you. So what did it look like to go even from employee to consultant with others? And how did that step on into the rest of your journey? Right. That's a, an interesting story. I remember um, about a year before I left Bongiorno, I was just praying because I had created that job that I had where I was running the company and I put a lot of work into making that job easy. It didn't start out easy, but I worked really hard to make it easy. The first two times I had a raise coming up, I said, hey, how about instead of a raise, let me hire an assistant. <laughs> and so I hired an assistant for a couple of locations and I actually started to feel like, man, this job is easy. I'm getting paid well. I have extra time. And then suddenly as I'm praying, God says, okay, well, it's time for you to leave now. I'm like, what? <laughs> Every time it gets easy, I have to move on. Well, I, that's kind of how it works. You've done something. It, something becomes easy because you're doing well at it. I learned everything that I needed to learn. So I had a meeting with David and I just said, hey, I don't know exactly the timing of it, but I'm just letting you know that I, I'll be moving on soon. And I'm still waiting on the timing of that, but I don't know exactly what it is. It ended up being a year later and I started to train up my replacement. I wanted to make it to where when I left, it was a smooth transition where I wasn't leaving a void. And it took about a year to find that right person and to get them ready to go. And then I sort of was halfway working for the company as I'm transitioning out. And then I had a few opportunities that kind of fell into my lap of other businesses that needed help. Some concepts that were from scratch that investors wanted to create for themselves and they needed you know, people who didn't know anything about coffee or that, that space, but wanted that space and to mix in with other businesses that they'd had. And I started to get opportunities that I, 
I really don't even know for sure what I did to get them. I just sort of put it out there that I'm available to do this. The word got around and it worked. As I got to consult with other businesses, with other people's money to help them thrive, I made contacts and those contacts helped me to build a reputation so that people wanted to work with me. And word of mouth in any business is always huge. Yeah. I'm staring at the book, Thou Shall Prosper by Rabbi Daniel Lappin. And we mentioned it in an episode just a while back about a wealth mentality. And part of having a wealth mentality is extending your network, is extending the people you're in relationship with. So uh, first and foremost, Josh goes into this business and what's funny is when you're in business school, and, and it's funny, I look, at the, I look at the path that Josh took and the path that I took, and, and it's not even, I love how Josh said it, it's not even that, that we chose to take this path. Honestly, there was guidance from the Lord. We're both believers. And so guidance from God on which steps to take. And I went to business school for four years, and then I went to work for a big company for five years. But I was not learning how to build a business and I was not working directly with the owner of the company. There were 600 employees. And so I was one of 600. Now, what I did is I worked really hard to become a great one of 600, one of the, one of the top in the area that I was serving the company. But Josh very intentionally said, I've got an entrepreneurial spirit. I know I'm created to go out and build and create. So I want to work directly with the owner. So then he goes and he kills it and serves really well, takes care of customers, but then he starts to expand the network. He starts to expand his relationships in the industry, and that has opened up doors and opportunities. So I just I think it's interesting because we talked about that wealth mentality, and then you can see that happen through Josh's life as he serves people well, takes care of the business owner, and then expands his network. So... All right, Josh, thinking about this, and you talked about building a button that you could push. Um, so you go from really when you start a business, most of the time, you're self-employed, meaning that your hours, every hour that you spend equals dollars, but you're trying to build a button so that you can push it and you can walk away a little bit, or you can spend less hours. And the nice thing about a business system is that you have people that work for you and their hours turn into profit and increase. So what was it like building a business that is more fail-proof? Like you build that button, you create something that that has less risk. What does that look like to build something yeah. as close to foolproof as you can? <laughs> I remember I went to a ministry school for a year, I took a year off of pursuing business and went to a ministry school, but they actually had a week where they talked about business. And I remember something that the teacher said that stuck with me. And he literally said, you want to know how to own a business that will never fail? Well, what is the thing that the Bible says never fails? Love. Love never fails. And if your business has love at the heart of it, um, and as Christians, that should be a goal, um, you'll never fail. It doesn't really matter what kind of business. Because at the heart of love, you're serving customers and you're caring about them, that you're making them feel seen and heard. And customers, when you're doing that for customers, you create extremely loyal customers, and they will always choose you. I don't love it when we make a mistake, but I love it when we make a mistake, and our customers, instead of complaining at us, they're trying to help us. Hey, I just want—I know you care, because they know we care. I know you care about this, so they let us know instead of you know Google review or something, and and then we fix it and we appreciate it and we always make sure to thank them because you know you're always going to make mistakes. That's just, that's one of the things that is unavoidable. You or someone in your company. And I always tell my new employees, hey, for the first few weeks, all your mistakes are my mistakes. 
just to take pressure off of them. I want them to do well. I want them to try hard, but I also want them to know that I'm taking responsibility for everything that happens as I'm at the top. And I try to instill that into uh, that same attitude into any kind of management that I uh, put in place. Um, leadership, I, I like to say, rather. So that way we don't ever get into this blame mentality, but instead of this propping each other up mentality. It really does spill over to the customers. They eventually will start try to prop you up rather than blame you for their bad day. So Josh, let me ask you this question. Obviously, you just said something that I think that's really important, which is that you're going to make mistakes. You're mm -hmm. not going to get it all right. But when you're serving people well and they know your heart and your desires to really serve them well, they're not going to come with an attitude of complaint, even though they had a bad experience maybe. Mm -hmm. But they know that's not what usually happens. So they come to you and say, hey, just want to let you know this is what happened. And it's kind of odd, but we thought we'd let you know yeah. so you can fix it, right? So before you get a bad review, you actually get somebody who's like, hey, just letting you know this happened. Yeah, I know you guys have the, I know you'll fix it but you need to know about it. So I love that because it says so much how much trust they're putting into what they're receiving from you. And I, I, that's really, really good. So let me ask this question. Knowing that there's failure along the way, how do you deal with that? When you encounter a mistake or even a, a problem, what is your initial reaction? How do you deal with it? Do you ever feel like it's too much? Do you ever want to quit? What's your mindset? Oh, man. Even this morning, I was late to show up to this podcast because of mistakes or not necessarily mistakes, but but issues that come up in business. Because, you know, when you're doing a business, you're dealing with people and especially if you have a heart of love behind it. So it, it takes a lot longer to deal with someone or to help someone in love than it does to help them in anger or selfishness mm -hmm. to deal with those kinds of mistakes. I always start with sitting down with the person let's say it's one of my employees, sitting down with them and talking to them, and I ask questions first. Mm -hmm. Usually those mistakes, especially the ones that involve like an attitude issue or whatever, mm -hmm. it's usually about something else that either happened at home or that you might have done that they interpreted a certain way, or maybe, maybe it's because I did really do something wrong, mm -hmm. um, and give them a chance to talk to me about it, and let's have a conversation about it, and look at where the mm -hmm. root of these things are from. Almost always... When I do that, we find some sort of a common ground and a way to move forward that's healthy, not only for each other, but for the business, for the customers, for our product. In taking the time to do that, you show them that you care. Once again, back to love. And whenever someone sees that you care about them, they start to care about you and your business a whole lot more. And uh, I'm not perfect at doing that. Uh, things definitely, um, I'm human, but I do, I do really try very hard to do that. Um, and it helps and it helps create loyal employees that stay a lot longer um, and also do a lot a much better job mm -hmm. that's good so the second part of the question is do you ever feel like it's too much like you want to quit um whenever we were under construction all the time yeah we there's so many things that went wrong there were people that stole from us didn't show up and i wanted to quit when i was building that mezzanine uh, we built a second floor at our coffee shop and uh, i'd never done it and i had contractors steal lots and lots of money from us and never show up um and i wanted to quit i i wanted to fold but i think when i feel that way i um takes a lot of bravery to just open up and tell someone that you feel that way for me it's usually my wife um, a peer open yourself up to some encouragement because that's what most people will do for you i remember whenever we finished building the coffee shop i remember thinking this is never going to end there's always something else and then one day I mean, literally, it could be a day of just, I got to screw a whole bunch of screws into a wall. And just one day, it was like, 
that's it. We're done. We're ready to open. I, I, <laughs> I didn't know that today was going to be the day. Yeah. Yesterday, it still seemed like there was 100 things. If I just kept on putting one foot in front of the other, eventually you get through it. And um, I think every day, in a biz, especially in a, a small business, is going to be a new, unpredictable challenge. You just have to have faith and heart to know that God's got your back. And he saw it before. I mean, we we're all going through COVID and all sorts of other things this year. Um, God saw it all. Um, yeah. yeah. So um, it's interesting. Before we started the episode, you were telling us about the mezzanine. And on the one hand, building it before you opened the business was a, a ton of work, a ton of energy. Um, but before you even started building it, you began to look at the contract with your landlord and figure out how do I make sure that when I build this, that it benefits the landlord long term, but it also benefits me while I'm in a contract with this person. Right. So that's thinking like a business owner. Share a little bit of that story and what that looked like. Yeah, so I um, I walked into the space. It was a beautiful space, vaulted ceilings, uh, 20 feet high, a lot of industrial concrete kind of vibes going on. And I thought, man, this just be so lovely. I always, I'm a maximizer. I always think about how can I maximize whatever I'm doing. I just think mezzanine, second floors. If you've ever been to a Barnes & Noble, a lot of times they'll have them. I just always think they're so beautiful. And so I wanted to build one. And uh, my contract, or a proposed contract, it's a certain price per square foot. And so I was worried that if I add to the square footage, I'm going to pay more rent, even though I'm putting a lot of money to add that square footage. So I went to the, the landlord, and they weren't too excited. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I'm quite certain they did not believe that I was actually going to do it. So wow. I, think, I think a lot of their agreement was under the belief that, well, he's not actually going to do it. It's just he doesn't, He's not a, a GC, a, a general contractor. He's just a coffee shop guy. Um, he's not going to do it. Well, little did he know that I have a background in that working for my dad as a kid and maintenance, restaurant maintenance, and got a lot of help from him. And we did it. I was looking through this 80 page contract that I read twice. Took me a long time because, you know, it's literally 80 page. pages of, of yeah. legal language and jargon. Yes, it, it was. As a business owner, difficult. you had to take the time to do that. <laughs> I did. And I didn't want to miss anything. I have a big advantage that my older brother is a lawyer. And so I went through it and highlighted everything that looked a little bit, oh, I don't know what I feel about this. And he went over all those things with me. Uh, one of the things I noticed in that contract was a clause that allowed the landlord to at any time, well, me or the landlord, to at any time demand a remeasure. And that would affect the, the rent uh, because it was based on the square footage. So I made sure we got that clause edited to where the mezzanine would never count towards the read measure. So that way my rent, you know, I added 2000 square feet to the business square footage. If I hadn't done that and he, the landlord at any time could decide that I'm, they're going to raise your rent, you know, a third or almost, almost 50%. And that's a huge deal because you as a business owner, you improved the space. So that landlord, as long as you're renting there, you're paying the fair rent that he was originally planning to get. But then if you ever move out, um, he's going to have that improvement, that capital improvement in that space forever. So right. you benefited him, but with a business owner mindset, you check the contract to make sure that while you're benefiting this other person, you're going to negotiate in advance before you started construction and make sure that you're covered so that it doesn't cost you more rent after you invest a lot of money and time and energy building it. So I just thought it was really great. The Taking the time to go through the, that detail level work and think through that is a huge deal. So I'm intrigued, and I think this is important for everybody that's listening. Part of the reason 
I think that you would want to, every person should have some desire or at least see the value of going from the employee to self-employed to being a business owner is not just for your life, but it is for your legacy and for your kids. Uh, there is a, there's a family legacy that can grow out of this. And Josh, you mentioned your dad uh, being a general contractor, and I know that he had a business of his own. And so some of the things that you learn today that you're enjoying by having some success and learning some, some things from his mistakes, that happened because he took on this mentality early on and he put it into his kids. And you said your older brother's a lawyer. And so and being a lawyer, you're self-employed. Yeah. I mean, you start yeah. your own business. And he has his own firm. Yeah. So, so are there, is there anything that you learned specifically from your dad or from your brother over the years um, that stands out? Like little things that you learned growing up or things that you learned talking to your brother, especially even on the legal side, that, that's helped you as a business owner that you might not have thought of even just coming up from the employee side, but having mentors and other people in your life that could pour into you with a little bit more of a yeah. business mindset. Actually, it's kind of funny. I'm going to, I'm going to break the rules and grab my phone to read something to you real quick. Cause I was just talking this morning with actually an employee about something I learned from my dad. And, uh, this is the text I sent him as we were discussing an issue. Something I learned from my dad is that the man who is most deserving of respect is the one who shows it to others even when they don't deserve it. And I was telling this young man that he was incredibly deserving of respect. And there was a situation going on with him where he was very tempted to not show respect to someone who may or may not uh, deserve it. I've seen my dad in all his dealings with the employees he would hire, sometimes off the street, sometimes, you know, alcoholics and see those men, like specifically one particular man, transform over the years and really start to rely on my dad as kind of like this guy would even call him and say, well, you're the closest thing I have to a counselor and would just confide in him, sometimes while drunk. And the guy still works for him this, to this day. And I just saw the way my dad treated people. It got him favor with people hiring him. He was a, a maintenance man in the greater DFW area for pretty much every single KFC, for a lot of McDonald's and Taco Bells. They'd call him for any anything and everything. And I got to go along with him on a lot of those job orders. And um, I just saw the way he interacted. And while that may not directly be about business, I think it really did influence not only favor he had with how people worked for him, because he was then able to trust people to be on their own. Because they, they may not do well for their own life, but they're going to make sure that they do well for him because of the way he treated them. So uh, I try to do my best to, to remember that when I'm dealing with employees and, and people that work for me, work with me, to make sure that I show them respect and encourage them to do the same no matter what. We have homeless people that come into our coffee shop. I make sure that not only I, but our um, employees show them respect. Just because they're homeless doesn't mean that we shouldn't be respectful enough to show that. That's what I got from my dad, I think, the most. That and work ethic. <laughs> mm, that's good. That's good. So we don't we don't want to end here, but we are going to end this episode here. Josh, would you stick around and do another episode sure. with us? There's some other things that we want to dive into regarding your business. And just kind of what you just touched on, which is the heart behind the business. Because business isn't just about profit. It's an important part of it, but it's really not just about that. So we want to dig into that a little bit further. Well, we want to thank you for listening to this episode. If you've enjoyed it, we hope that you would go on and subscribe to our podcast, either on Apple Podcast or any other app that you're using. 
And if you like what you're hearing, please rate and leave us a review. We would really appreciate you doing that because it does increase the algorithm and it gets our show in front of more people and more people can benefit from this content. To gain access to this podcast, show notes, financial tools, and other relevant content, visit leosabo.com where you can find me and everything that I'm up to. David, what are you up to these days? Yeah, if people want to come over to stewardshippastors.com and check out the book Jesus on Money, uh, stewardshippastors.com is where I just tell, help other pastors and leaders learn to steward, so literally be good managers. And so I love the principles that Josh shared today. Literally, if, if love never fails, how do I make sure that I am loving people and serving people well? And even some of the kingdom principles that Josh mentioned today, uh, if you've not been faithful with what belongs to another, who will entrust you with your own? How, how could you be entrusted to manage your own business if you're not going to be a faithful employee and manage somebody else's business well? So come over to stewardshippastors.com, check out the book, Jesus on Money, spend some time with me there. And overall, we just want to say thank you for listening to this episode. We hope that you enjoyed it and we hope that you will come back so that together we we can can keep keep getting getting money money right. We have homeless people that come into our coffee shop. I make sure that not only I but our um, employees show them respect. Just because they're homeless doesn't mean that we shouldn't be respectful enough to show that. That's what I got from my dad, I think, the most. That and work ethic.